You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. This is the show where we use color films made in the old U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. We climb through those windows, and we have ourselves a little look around at the world as it was during this very pivotal era following the Second World War. And while we do this, we're going to be asking some very important questions, such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating each other? What decisions are they making? And why? Also, possibly most importantly, what are they wearing? And what do their living rooms look like? Then at the end of the show, we're going to answer a very crucial question, arguably the only question to be asked on behalf of all of society. Do we keep watching this? Are we going to keep showing people this movie? Do we need to pay attention to this? Is this valuable for us? Can we take something away from this? I'm your host, through time and or space, Justin Zeppa, joined as ever by my spectacular international panel of experts at being humans in the early 21st century, starting on my left, Catherine Sherlock. Welcome back to the show. Hello. And you're sitting next to Shwishma Nike. Hey. Hey, guys. What's up? How's it going? Glad to see you. And of course, we are joined across the pond by my sister and yours, Carolyn Narrows. Hey, sis. Hi. Glad to be back. Good to see you. And we are, of course, you know, sometimes joined by our friend uh, Brindis as well. She actually had to go down to, you won't believe this, but she had to go down to the lumber yard today mm. because, you know, we're building this new museum. We've had a lot of zoning issues, a lot of paperwork, recording issues, inspection issues, uh, flood research issues. But this issue for this week uh, that she is currently taking care of for us on our behalf is uh, the price of cement. Uh, they're trying to gouge us, you guys. I thought it would be the price of petrol because that's really high. I think it all plays and it's all tied together. It's all, uh, you know, hog futures and things like that. It's all the commodities market, right? It's all inter exactly. interlinked. It's inter intertwined. But you guys. Yes, Justin. While she's going to get us a very affordable line of contractor cement mm -hmm. to build a foundation for the boom room, we are going to continue on with our examination of this week's film. 1955's Billy Wilder's The Seven-Year Itch. You guys, let's start things off right, by which I mean our one-line review of The Seven-Year Itch. Catherine, what do you have for us? Right, okay. So, I am unsure what I just watched. <laughs> uh, uh, mad cat to the point of making my head hurt. <laughs> that is a mad cap, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Careful. Careful mm. when you put that on. Yeah. All very valid points. <laughs> you know, not to, uh, spoilers, everybody, but it's coming. You're going to hear about it. Trish, what do you have more to add to this? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Always. You know, I was, I was trying to think of how I wanted to phrase the tagline, but I think I've landed on um, a window into the mind of a fuckboy. <laughs> this guy's the original fuckboy, isn't right. he? Because I don't know what Clearly, I also did not know what was happening Yeah um, But the parts that I did pick up I was very disturbed by Like, is this allowed? Like, <laughs> I mean, so it's really interesting To see what was okay for television Or movies yeah. versus, you know What we think is okay now Right, right Carolyn? Gentlemen out there in the world just this movie is an example that it's all, all in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well stated. And uh, Tommy Ewell does a lot of talking to himself. That's all I have to say about that at the moment. But this was a stage play, though, originally, uh, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's so a little monologue. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's very, even the way this is filmed is extremely theater. So I just feel like I watched a stage play yeah. versus Actually, a film. That's very true. I was kind of thinking something like that. It didn't, it didn't seem very actiony. Yeah. It's very rare um, that we leave the one set, the, yes. the house set. Yeah. So, exactly. yeah. I definitely uh, got like, it's a play, like 
I'm mm-hmm. I'm like uh, mm-hmm. it's in- interesting to know that it was a stage play before it was a movie. Yeah, so yeah. That's interesting. Very common at the time. Yeah. Uh now it's uh we're making movies about memes, but back in those days, you'd have to read a book or And he was see the original actor on Broadway. Was he? Okay. Mm. Yes. It sounds I like you did some research. I was like Who's this guy? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's the same. I'm like, so who's the who's the male? Who's the eye candy here for us ladies? And it's like, hang on, what? It's Who? Tom Yule, obviously. Surely there's somebody else here. No. <laughs> I think I had to go after I finished watching it. I went to the Wikipedia page to read what I like. What was the story? Yeah. Of you know, because yeah. I wasn't sure, honestly, mm-hmm. for the most part. You were informing yourself, right? Which is rare for this program, because as we've strictly stated, we like to come in very unprepared <laughs> for watching these films. Again, we're just uh, objective observers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, I came in cold, and I did no research afterwards. I kind of went, mm-hmm. "Hey, that was that." I feel like, I and I walked away. I got the gist. <laughs> So this film, 1955, this is our, you know, we're looking at uh, some tentpole years in this era we're exploring. So we just came from 1945, Leave Her to Heaven, a very specific time. This is clearly 10 years later, Mm -hmm. definitely feels 10 years later in tone, in style. um, Sexual, sexual openness. Yeah, we're starting to see. more like raunchy. We're starting to see the horniness emerge from where 1953's War of the Worlds had zero. Mm. And then it ramps up. This is 55. Next year is written on the wind and we get the very horny sister. Mm. Um, So we're seeing the escalation here. And again, we've kind of traced this back to two factors. One being Elvis Presley and two being the birth control pill which has just opened the world up to yeah. the idea of sexuality. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, for for recent times, anyway. I, I think the but Romans I had a pretty good time. Still um, through the eyes of the male. Of a man. A white yeah, man. Yeah, there's, yeah. Not, there's not really an empowered female. Just you know, yet. the more time we spend in this era visiting these people, I have to say, I love the style, the aesthetic, the colors. I hate the behaviors. <laughs> it's really deplorable. It's gross. It's a gross era. We're looking at Richard Sherman and his family, his wife, Helen, and his son, Rick. Uh, Richard is played by the actor Tom Ewell, who is somebody we're going to see in future films, too. He's a very noodly comedian, sort of. He's almost Don Knotsian, really. He's sort of like a slightly more together Don Knotts. Carolyn, would you agree? You know who Don Knotts is. Is he yeah, more together I mean, than Don we, Knotts or is he falling no, apart? No, he's more together <laughs> than Don Knotts is and he doesn't have the same nervous energy as Don Knotts. Yes. I always feel like Don Knotts is on the verge of a nervous breakdown. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but I will say this film likes eye candy for the men, zero eye candy for the ladies. Mm-hmm. You don't find this man attractive? You don't no. you don't find this guy a, a hunky no. stud and his his mm-hmm. uh seersucker and his little straw mm-hmm. straw cap? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> no. look at this guy. This would be a very different movie if Sean Connery were home for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think yes. so. So we meet these guys and Rick is, or I'm sorry, uh, Richard is sending Helen and Rick off to Maine, and he is trying to not be too excited about it, but there's a lot of uh, baggage shenanigans and trying to get on the train and off the train and all of this, and uh, the only thing we need to take away from this is that young Ricky leaves his paddle behind. The paddle is actually second, should be second built in the cast because it gets a lot of yeah, face time. a lot of attention. Yeah. His paddle. Um <laughs> We It's a real motivating prop. Yes. So Richard puts his family on the train and of course is left with the uh, instructions of please no drinking, no smoking, take care of yourself because this shrew of a woman, his wife Helen, wants him to live a long and healthy life for some reason so they may be happy and raise their child together and he will not die at the age of 52 from heart attack. Mm-hmm. Uh he I mean what a nuisance though. Am I right guys? Absolutely. Yeah. So we then follow him home to his incredible brownstone which uh, houses three different families apparently. He lives on the main floor, above him is the Kaufmans and then on the top floor 
They sneak in a little bit of uh, coding there with two guys who are interior decorators. Yes, he mentions. So mm-hmm. we never encounter them that yeah. I'm aware of yet. Uh, but taking no. a look around the inside of this house, it's a lot. Like there's a lot going on it's here. It's not beautiful. This is not the tailored mid-century look that we've maybe become accustomed to in, say, you're written on the wind, mm. something like that. Uh, it's really, I guess, I've always wondered where like grandparent style comes from, right? Like your grandparents chose all this furniture and everything. Like, why did they feel the need to do the floral patterns and the, you know, the very elaborate woodwork and things like this? I guess it's because they just made that decision back then and then have just stuck with a lot of this furniture since then. Is all I can well, imagine. Because if you've spent a significant amount of money on a couch, you're probably not going to get rid of that couch anytime yeah. soon. Yeah, and you know how this goes. They probably didn't even take the plastic off this couch for the first 15 years, right? <laughs> no. The other thing to remember is that this gentleman would have grown up in the hard times of the Depression. Mm-hmm. And so they would have not been like, oh, I want a new sofa and like mm. waste something. Right. They would have kept, you know, like they invest in something, you keep it for, for a long time. Right. If you have anything, like, I think you keep it, is, is what this shot of this living room describes. But to it's me. also interesting because they have books. Like, it, as if they're shelves on the staircase. Yeah, and right. the stairs don't go anywhere because the house has been chopped into three. This, I think it would have been like a like oh, one so house in total. So yeah. that, that staircase would have gone up to the first floor. So it's been cleverly repurposed then mm. as bookcase. And he's in publishing, so obviously he's going to have a lot of books. We have the paddle, of course. Mm-hmm. We, ha- we do have the television, which comes in this very special cabinet back in the days when... Your television came with a cabinet. As they, I want to better hide my telly away. Yeah, right. Yours is paper thin, though. I was really admiring how Mm. narrow it was. You could too big. (laughs) No such thing, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the other thing is, I think this it's very small. I mean, there's like so there's the kitchen behind him there. Yeah. There's an outside terrace. Yes. This room. Yeah. There's. Their bedroom, bedroom that you have here. to go through to get to the bathroom. Yeah. Where does the kid sleep? There must be another bedroom down that I way. I couldn't, yeah, you know, mm. I couldn't picture another doorway or. Maybe Rick, maybe it's through the kitchen. Maybe there's more beyond the kitchen. I can't imagine that that would make any sense, but. No. Maybe he's got to sleep on the couch. Maybe he sleeps in the television cabinet. Mm-hmm. Hard to know. Uh, but. I mean, yeah, so it's it's small in room numbers, but it's spacious. They've got room for a little piano anyway. And uh, uh, we also have, of course, box for the cigarettes on the table. We've got, I'm going to guess that's an ashtray, maybe a stone one. At the very least, that's an ashtray. Um, but we have a lot of, just a lot of bric-a-brac, a lot of mm. uh, statuary We've got this odd cherub sort of hanging up in the corner oh, on this weird. pipe. Uh, we've got some some sort of uh, maybe noticed. German brewer characters over here. Yeah, I mean, this is just very ordinary. It's not aspirational. Like yes. Uh, and it's, the other interiors we've seen. It's functional. It seems very lived. I mean, it's yeah, clearly a set, but it's also... Homely. Yes, yeah. So we get a we get a look at his life. It's a very cluttered life. It's yeah. So he's still monologuing to himself, just so we know what's going on inside uh, that brain of his, and he's basically sort of celebrating the fact that he doesn't have to talk about his day. Nobody's going to ask him how his day was. You know, the burdens of people who care about you and love you, wondering how your day was. Uh, it's a tough life, you guys. So then he goes, he, he again tries to be good. He does not go straight for the cocktails, but he goes and gets himself a soda pop. Uh, he does break the rules by opening it on the handle of the cabinet rather than using the bottle opener. It's a big no-no with Helen, but he sort of revels in it. And then immediately is punished by stepping on Rick's roller skate and tripping and spilling all over himself. This will pay off later because the second roller skate is nowhere yet to be found. Yeah. At this point, he stops his rambling because the door buzzer rings and he checks outside only to meet Marilyn Monroe. Who pops in. Now, this character does not have a name. She's just known as the girl. Uh, So we'll Mm -hmm. just call her Marilyn for the sake of this. So she comes in. She is uh, happy to meet him. She is renting the Kaufman's place upstairs for the summer. So it's just going to be the two of them in the house together. And she has a fan with her because it's very hot. 
And yeah, it's Marilyn. So what do we think about Marilyn and what's up with her voice? Anybody have any information on this? So that's so she's putting on a voice because that's one of the first things I noticed and was annoyed by. Um, it's, a, it's too much, right? Was her? It's this sort of breathiness, and it was a little annoying. It's a very infantilized yeah. female voice of like, I'm kind of not that smart, so I'm not intimidating. Yeah, yeah and this is. Uh, was this one of her first movies or something like that? No idea. Uh, probably one of. Her first big ones, I would think. Let's give it an internet search engine. Okay, great, great. I think uh, she <laughs> was in, you know, How to Marry a Millionaire, and she was in Niagara, which might have been after this. And then she, of course, died uh, young. We know this, so she's only a star of uh, a few motion pictures. She was in Some Like It Hot. That's probably before this, I would imagine. Okay, so I'm, I didn't know that she, like, she died young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. She she was in a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. before this. This was what this was towards the end. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Because it's surprising that she would do a movie like this. I was one of like, why would someone want to play this role? Well, I, th- I think it's it's uh, I don't know. It, it, it I think because it is a wordy comedy, mm-hmm. and she's playing foil to the she's she's bringing comedy. Mm-hmm. She's you know um, it's the kind of a bit slapsticky as well. Um, whereas I think possibly up until now, I don't know. Maybe also, it's just. I'd be curious. So this came out in 55. Yeah. So she was divorcing Joe DiMaggio and she married Arthur Miller in 55. So I'm also, well, divorced Joe DiMaggio 55, married Arthur Miller 56. So I'm also wondering if this was done as like a, well, it's a serious role because it was on Broadway. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So it feels like it's potentially something meatier than. Other things she's done. But she would have. Yeah. yeah. She, it's interesting because you can see her intelligence as her, the person, the actor, mm-hmm. sort of like breaking through this character, which is very mm-hmm. of a mold, right? But yeah. it's there, it's coming out. So like, I get, I get the allure, right? I get the appeal, like why she uh, is held in such high esteem. I don't know. Sis, do you have any other information about how she died? I know it was mysterious circumstances. Um, there was, it was mafia pills. involved, possibly, possibly the Kennedys. You know, she was because she was having banging Jack with, Kennedy and and Bobby too. I think those Kennedy boys they got they were everywhere. Hmm. Mix mixing um, and matching. I mean, essentially, uh, okay. So she was uh, cause of death was reported as acute barbiturate poisoning. Oh, some barbs. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and there were empty medicine bottles found next to her bed. So whether it was an intentional suicide or an accident, would you know. Seems to me she lived her life like a candle in the wind. Aye, aye, aye. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Candelabra yes. on a very tiny piano in Tom Ewell's house. Okay, look. <laughs> okay, so Richard meets her and... His boner is out of control, right? His life boner is is bouncing all over the place. He you can imme- actually see it. Yeah. Like, he- you can see that he's, like, ready to go. And later you can hear it, too. <laughs> There's that weird moaning sound. We'll get to it. All right. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, you can see it on his face. I mean, he's a cartoon character, right? So, it's he's one step away from the, <laughs> the tongue rolling out of the mouth and, like, a red carpet and the eyes bulging out, like... <laughs> Tex Avery Wolf with the zoot suit. So he starts scheming immediately of like, okay, how do I get her down to my apartment? How can I take advantage of this situation? How can I take advantage of her? But he he stops himself because, again, he's remaining strong. He is in control. Mm -hmm. He's not going to smoke. He's not going to drink. He's going to eat well. And he's not going to have any strange ladies in the apartment. Uh, He takes his new manuscript out to the back patio to do some reading. He's going to do some coverage on the new book. About the male subconscious written by Dr. Brubaker. You're going to hear a lot about this book. He's looking at it as a bit of homework. Uh, Actually, quite literally, he's working Mm. on it at home, isn't he? Uh, But of course, he is immediately distracted with thoughts of Helen's concerns over him smoking and drinking too much and the women and all of this. And he starts getting in his head about this. He's This man is totally in his head. Carolyn, that was your line, right? It's all in your head? (laughs) Yes, it's all all in your head. (laughs) Helen calls and... Let's him know that she's run into a certain Tom McKenzie, uh, who's been poking around up in Maine. And he is, Tom McKenzie is a client of Richard's. He's an author. 
and we're sort of left to our imaginations as to who this Tom McKenzie character is. But Richard's a little insecure about it, a little weird about like Tom McKenzie. What's he doing up there? And what do you know, Tom McKenzie? What is this Tom McKenzie business? That's all I'm hearing about is Tom McKenzie. Uh, but he gets his little phone call out of the way, settles back in to finally focus on Dr. Brubaker's book. And then decides to sharpen his soda with a little bit of uh, hot sauce or something like that. Uh, you know, a twist a lemon, since he can't have his uh, delicious scotch. He's and as soon as he a gets mocktail. up, yes, yes, mm-hmm. he is. And as soon as he gets out of his wicker furniture, a massive tomato plant housed in a cast iron uh, plant planter lands where he was just sitting, destroying said wicker. And this is how. These two characters run into each other again. It turns out that Marilyn Monroe, he's outraged, of course, and he starts shouting upstairs. And then Marilyn pops her head over and is like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And she's quite clearly naked. She's very nude. Yeah. And has been watering the plants in the nude with a little cocktail shaker and is so sorry about this. Mm -hmm. And he is... Of course, fine with it now, all of a sudden, because, oh, that's, <laughs> it was you. And you sexy lady. She did it that's fine. in a prettier way than yeah. a normal neighbor would do. Yeah. So she spices the conversation up with uh, some references to her icebox panties, uh, which she must go slip into so she can join him for a drink. So he... The wall starts to crumble a little bit at this point, right? It's like, yeah, why don't She's you come in town? all kinds of imagery. But she is also, uh, as is her right... Filling up his head with yeah. imagery of her nude, naked, nude, naked body. And, and she's going to put some frozen panties on. Right. She's going to chill it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, so many jokes. Yeah. So Richard then, uh, you know, he's very excitable, this guy, as we're, as we're learning. And so he starts preparing the house. He starts getting ready to what I like to call crank the vibe. And he's trying different things out. First of all, first things first, got to get a cigarette. So he unlocks his cigarette stash and has one, just just one, doctor. Don't worry about it. But I need this to calm my nerves because this beautiful woman's coming down to talk to me. So With chilled lady bits. With, with her chilled lady bits. <laughs> Conveniently chilled. So then he also pours himself a little scotch. I mean, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? So if you're going to have the ciggy, you might as well have a little scotch with that. Pours a very decent size, not a 59 size, not a highball glass size of scotch, just a normal person's amount of scotch. So maybe America's alcoholism hadn't reached a level where we need to pour an entire glass filled with scotch. Uh, Maybe. It, for now, anyway. But he's a family man. So. That's true. He's he's respectable. <laughs> he's he's doing well. He had vegetarian for dinner. Two hundred sixty calories. Then chooses Rachmaninoff. And this is where to set the mood. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's not that's not chill music. No, and this is the thing. It, it, this is where it's it's very nineteen fifty five. We don't really have. Uh, Sexy pop music, mm. R and B hasn't really broken through to a white audience yet. There's, you know, rock music is is nothing at this point. Anything that's sort of earthy and fun and sexy and dangerous, you're not going to find it in 1955. You're going to find Debussy, and you're going to find yeah, the Rachmaninoff and some Strauss, and that's what he chooses as his vibe cranking music is a little the old rock number two. Knock, knock, it's me popping in here in a different tone of voice entirely. A completely different, sleepier energy breaking in here on this high-octane show that you are fully engaged with. Let's just stop that right now, because i got to tell you about the merch. we got a tea Public store. You can find the link in the show notes. You can go there. Today, I want to highlight... Uh, Something that came out of Premiere Week, North by Northwest, episode one. Anybody? Did it ring any bells? Well, you know you love Saul Bass's iconic opening credit sequence. The green, the lion, the, the lines of the uh, Park Avenue office building we, we spoke about in one of the episodes. Can't remember what it's called, but you know the one. Go back and listen to it. Five-star reviews only, please. Thank you. Uh, anyway, we have done uh, our version of that that opening title sequence as a logo. And here's, I'm going to make it real simple for you. I want to see you wearing this in a green t-shirt. Uh, so you can be the opening credit sequence to our uh, fantasy version of North by Northwest Old Movie Time Machine. 
mashup, which is what everybody wants. So go over to TeePublic, check out the link. It's in the show notes and buy uh, a green version of this shirt. And, the, and you know what? Why don't you buy buy one for mom too? You know, is everybody looking out for mom? I hope, you, have you called your mom lately? Anyway, if you do this, we will thank you as ever. Thank you. And back to the show. So at this point, he's clearly lost his mind. He start, He calls Helen. Uh, he's super paranoid. And he discovers that she's on a hayride with yeah. some friends, including Duh. Tom McKenzie. Fucking Tom McKenzie. So he's really excited that Helen is not on the train home to, you know, accuse him, catch him in the act of... To shoot him. To sh- Doesn't she... Isn't there a scene where she shoots him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, Fantasy there is. thing, yeah. Yes. Coming very soon. So he goes home. He tells Mrs. Morris, you know, look, it's a beautiful day. Life is beautiful. He's got a new lease on a beautiful life, guys. And he's going to go home and he's going to spend a quiet night in. You know, he runs into Marilyn. She's, you know, drying her hair up in the window. But he's like, yeah, I got to go do a thing. So I'll, t- I'll catch you later. And he starts dancing wow. around. It's a look. Ladies, are you sure... You're not into Tom Ewell. Just give me Mr. Bean Mm-mm. vibes. You t- <laughs> 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 oh, and we love Mr. Bean for his humor, right? right. No. But he is not known as a sexy man. You don't find this man sexy? He is, no. at this point, doing a little a little white man shimmy around his, his bedroom. His trousers are down. It's quite a scene. We then go to... He, we go to a shower fantasy from here. He's taking a shower... And it finally starts to sink in of this whole Tom McKenzie, like, oh, Helen, at least she doesn't know about my mental infidelities. And actually, and my non my, my physical infidelities, too. I did try to assault that woman last mm-hmm. night. But he's like, yeah, Tom McKenzie. Tom's, it's a lot of Tom McKenzie talk up in Maine. What is going on here? And we go to a new fantasy, a very amusing fantasy where Helen and Tom McKenzie are on a hayride. And this, is, I thought, was a very <laughs> funny bit where... The dream Helen is like, but you know, Tom, what about all the people? And he's like, no, no, there are no people around. It's, it's just us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about the, what about the driver? No, no, there is no driver. And it's just, it's just horses pulling a cart down a road. And I thought that was still really funny. I thought that holds up. His justifications for this are just. And then Endless. the shifting of the blame that he does. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, he's he's projecting he, his yeah. actions on her. Of course, of course. Like, um, he's worried that she's going to talk about it, and that's how people are going to find out, rather than what the act of what he did. Which it's yeah, it's got nothing to do about his yeah, behavior. Right. It's about her it's response to go, it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so now <laughs> Richard is suddenly outraged with jealousy all over again. <laughs> Calls up Marilyn and asks her to come over for a play date. And they go see this movie that we were talking about. They go see The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Classic. Very nice. Uh, But they're talking about the creature. And she feels bad for the creature. And how he got a real raw deal at the end of the movie and everything. Because he just wanted somebody to be nice to him. Or something like that. But this is where we get the infamous subway breeze scene. Where she's standing over the subway grate in her... Uh, white dress and mm. the subway comes and diaphanous white dress. Yes, it's isn't, a, a isn't this over the top for the cinema? Just well, yeah. I mean, especially if you're like me and you're getting a whole box of Junior Mints. You know, I'm spilling that all over my diaphanous white gown at some point. Yeah, I mean, dark chocolate. I mean, you can. See, I mean, there's places where popcorn can just get trapped forever. Oh, but he'll help. never to be found. He again. would help you. Uh, <laughs> I think he would lend you a hand. Um, but so this is, uh, yeah, this is a very well-known scene of her getting... So this is the this is where the scene originates. This yes, is, yeah, absolutely. all the references yeah. come from this. I feel maybe just to learn that one fact, maybe it was worth watching this movie. There it is. We're definitely getting some upper thigh in <laughs> right? this shot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though. We don't get the wide shot, so like... It's just this? It's just cuts, yeah, to the, to the legs. Uh, we don't actually see the full... The full thing. Um, Richard, of course, is loving it because he can't help himself. And he's it's actually pretty gross. Like yeah, he's he's really he's really looking at her. <laughs> so she not only goes to the movie with him, but she goes home with him as well. Now they do live in the same building. So, mm-hmm. but uh, she is just so darn hot 
And he's like, well, you know, you could stop by my place and enjoy some of this air conditioning again. Remember when you came over and lifted yes. up your shirt and blew that air conditioning on yourself? Could you do that again tonight? <laughs> and she, she is great with it. So she comes in. He is filled with swagger at this point. Things are all turning up Richard Sherman at this point. He proceeds to make her, you know, make them a couple of Tom Collins cocktails. And this time, he, well, okay. Because I noticed he put sugar in it this time mm. versus last time. She kept asking for sugar and he refused to put That uh, was in a martini. But that was the martini. It was a different yeah, kind yeah. Of drink. Well, this is the thing is we're getting a lot of cocktail technology, a lot of uh, trends and customs of the time in this film. It's a real mm. time capsule for cocktails. So much work, mm-hmm. so many supplies that you need to keep on hand, so many little cherries and twists of lemon and bitters and things like this. Yes. And, and the bitter. Please don't forget the bitters. How are we supposed to have an old fashioned without, without the bitters for God? sake she is enjoying the air conditioning during while he's making these cocktails uh she looks amazing uh, of course and she's also talking about how t- talking to herself about how it's outrageous that the kaufmans wouldn't have ac and they're both having very different inner monologues i think they're i think they're these are actual well she's talking to herself she's talking to herself about what how she needs how she needs to get sleep yeah and why she her plot to get sleep and just Stay I'll there. just stay yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. And he's kind of plotting to how did he get himself in this position? I interpreted and how to justify keeping her there. I thought he thought that she was listening to him and that he was yeah, actually yeah, that, yeah absolutely. But yeah, then yeah. the the sound of the air conditioning drowns it out. Yeah, she doesn't hear what he's saying at all. Right. So and they're oh, so she's talking totally talking across. To, purposes. He's talking to her, but. But she's not she listening. Hear. Yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. So he's doing this whole song and dance about like fate. And, you know, you meant to knock that tomato plant. And, you know, you're not here by accident. This is supposed to happen. It's written in the stars. And then their conversations converge. And there's a mild misunderstanding where she's like, I would like to stay here. And he, uh, a true measure of what's really going on inside of Richard Sherman. But he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. You just offered me the very thing I've been pining for this entire time. And I don't know if I can handle it. So down lady down. So again, he's pretty, you know, he's just turning back that energy onto her. It's, it's her fault. How dare she recommend this? But, but she does qualify with, I can sleep just here. Just give me a pillow. Yes. And they get it all straightened out. This is a shot of him uh, in his symbolic spritz into the glass. A sad man with his symbolic spritz of seltzer. Uh, A small spritz. (laughs) She does end up staying the night uh, at the house. We we run into Richard the next morning. He is asleep on the sofa. Uh, I just wanted to highlight some of the things that are on. Oh, there's Marilyn creeping down the stairs. Highlight some of the things... On this table, we have the poorly wrapped paddle, but we also got ourselves a little Time magazine. We have the cigarette box. We have what appears to be a Chocolate large cake. glass jar. I, I thought they were candy jelly jar. beans, but they they beans. seem yeah. to be some kind of maybe like wrapped. Jolly Ranchers? Something candy, yeah. And then, of course, this disgusting ashtray filled with cigarette butts. Yeah. Uh, these are the 1950s Time magazine and jelly beans. Uh, so he wakes up on the couch. Checks on her. She's asleep in his marital bed by herself, of course. And he decides to go make some breakfast. So he starts preparing the coffee and he starts making some cinnamon toast. Can I just ask a clarifying question? Sure. What is cinnamon toast? (gasps) My thinking is that you... From what we saw, anyway, his his actions were he toasted the bread, and then he put some butter on there. And I think the next and possibly final step would be to sprinkle some cinnamon Just on top cinnamon, of the sugar. Cinnamon and sugar. And some maybe brown sugar. I think mm. cinnamon sugar. Cinnamon, cinnamon sugar. Like you mix cinnamon and sugar together, okay. like the powder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that? But, but there was butter, was there? Yeah. But there was no. Oh, wondering yeah. how it would stick. You're not doing a meal without butter. Mm. No. In the 1950s. Yeah. It has... Having had many a piece of cinnamon toast in my life, at least in my understanding, um, yes, it would be uh, a pad of butter melted, and then you sprinkle your cinnamon sugar, and it's this wonderful, sweet and salty mm. yum. Okay, I might have to try this. You can, not do it, like, not you can just like, literally like put your bread in the toaster. <laughs> mm. 
Yes, I can do. I have the technology. Or you could use honey. Uh, no, no, no. Allergic. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, allergic to honey. Yeah. Really? Randomly. Wow, okay. So he needs the shower. Of course, she's asleep in the bed. There's the, the bathroom is inconveniently located in the master bedroom. It's a whole thing. He uh, tries waking her up to no avail, then starts sneaking around to go get the paper in the milk. Here's a little shot for you ladies. Congratulations. Thanks. There he is. Just a little something for you. He is did not need to see it again. He is uh, he remains <laughs> once was enough. He remains a nervous wreck. So he prepares the breakfast and is suddenly paranoid that she's going to start blackmailing him because he's like, Oh, she's drinking a lot of champagne and she must have money. Where's that money coming from? Does it come from just television advertisement? The answer is yes, it would come from that. But uh he automatically jumps to blackmail and you know starts watching his step and like starts thinking, taking this into consideration in his behaviors for the next two minutes until it vanishes also wanted to point out the uh the toast that he's making and i don't know carolyn you're you're the expert but like this is some <laughs> shitty charred uh that's really black. charcoal briquette blackened <laughs> toast <laughs> and he doesn't even uh he doesn't even scrape it for fuck's sake you've got the knife in your hand just give it a little scrape into the sink just scrape I, off a layer i i just want to say I don't want this man's air conditioning or his burnt toast or (laughs) anything about this situation. He's a white man in 1950s America. What's not to love about this guy? So at this point, we get the fantasy of Helen shooting the door in and fighting over him. I mean, she comes in, she's super steely and she's just like, I know. And this is his imagination. This is his imagination. I would love it if it was real. though. (laughs) What a twist that would be. Uh, I know about the cinnamon toast. I know about the coffee. Richard, I'm shooting you several, several times, at least five times in the back, two in the front. It's pretty amusing. Uh, Also, she says that the janitor has actually been spying on her behalf, and he's really a private investigator named Johnny Dollar. Mm. And I really like that name, (laughs) Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Uh, you should save it. Use it again. again. We'll make a t-shirt out of it or something like that. I'm actually Johnny Dollar. Um, Can it please be a picture of him in like his bad tank top and pork pie <laughs> yeah, hat? Right, right. I'm here. <laughs> Looking sweaty like, hey, I'm, can I clean yeah, your rug? I'm here for the rugs. <laughs> it's me, Johnny Dollar. Johnny Dollar wants your rug. That is something. Well, that's a mug, right? <laughs> Check the store, guys. That is going to be prime merch <laughs> in the boom room. <laughs> Uh, well, I need it. That's for sure. I think you do. Um, I want a long sleeve version to sleep in. Thanks. So, <laughs> Johnny Dollar wants your rug. Uh, so, Marilyn emerges from the bathroom having showered herself and finds him again just collapsing into a bunch of neuroses and anxieties as he pictures his wife murdering him. Can we also just note that he's so narcissistic that that one he thinks that all the neighbors are watching him. Well, yeah, and of course, he has to everyone's be careful about who's coming in out of his apartment. Yep. That they're watching and judging him. Don't care. And that two, his wife absolutely would fight for him. <laughs> yeah, right. She would be so outraged. How dare you? Only only I can have you. That sweet pasty body of yours, Richard. I shan't share you with anyone. Bam bam. But, but isn't this also like a measure of like kind of oh that's weird friendship the friendship that's developing between them because he actually talks to her in reality about this fantasy yes and they actually have a yes. conversation in real life yes they do uh, and yeah that's a great point it is a very human conversation that mm. does not involve him being a lech and that's some kind of progress now she is wondering you know like what what's your deal like why you know, he's upset because she's jealous or she's not jealous of him, Helen, of course. And Marilyn's sort of like, well, why isn't your wife jealous of you? And he's feeling pretty low about himself at this point. Um, but she's says that nice guys are great and have a chance at, you know, beautiful women and all this. And then goes into the party story about, you know, wanting to find somebody who on the inside is nice and sweet mm. and will be nice and sweet to her. And this then play was written by men yeah. that were dorks. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> All I want is a dorky this is playwright. Like revenge of the nerds before revenge <laughs> yeah, of the nerds. Yeah. <laughs> and and to prove it, she kisses him again. This is the second uninitiated Marilyn to Richard Kiss. It's something. <laughs> again. 
At this point, enter Tom McKenzie. The Tom McKenzie shows up. He is the opposite of Richard in almost every way. He's very tall, kind of like dashing mm. and blonde and, you know, very well put together. And he shows up because he just wants to get Ricky's paddle. He's just like, obviously, you're not sending the paddle. We've had paddle needs up there for almost 72 hours at this point. Right. I'm just going to come yeah. down. I'm going to swing down yeah. from Maine to New York. That's ridiculous. And, to take uh, the paddle for your son. To take the paddle, right. And, uh, of course... Richard's out of his mind, so he's like, you took my wife on a hayride last night. And again, he can't tell reality from fantasy, and so his daydreaming is now real to him. And Tom McKenzie's sort of like, I don't know what is happening right now, and, which is kind of amusing. He's <laughs> like, I, what are you talking about? I came for the paddle. I didn't even see your wife last night. She went with like 60 other people. I didn't go because I've got hay fever from the military. He's got a whole thing, this Tom McKenzie. Uh, Richard, of course... Is not listening to any of it because, sorry, uh, because he's <laughs> nobody needed to see that. To nobody needed to see that. <laughs> Justin tried to kind of zoom into his crotch area. I did. Absolutely. It was an accident. Oh. It yeah. was an accident. Wow, we really yeah, yeah, get yeah, up yeah, close yeah. and personal with the Tom McKenzie. Yes. So, <laughs> so he punches Tom McKenzie in the face and knocks him out cold. Uh, he collapses into a heap of Rachmaninoff records. And then Marilyn comes out uh, with the full breakfast prepared. She is, after all, the complete fantasy woman and sort of like, oh, who's, you know, somebody you know? And he's like, no, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I have to go take this paddle to my wife and child. And he is now resolved to being a good husband and joining them in Maine. The janitor shows up again. Of course, you know, this janitor character carries Tom McKenzie out like so many bags of garbage that he is, or not really. He's just a human being. Who wanted, wanted well, if I can't get at that rug, yeah. I'm going to pick up the, <laughs> the loose gentleman on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then Richard's like, yep, take him out of here. And hey, Marilyn, I love you, babe, but could you do me a solid and call my boss and tell it, put in a part, uh, a paid time off request from me? Uh, for the next two weeks, because I'm going to Maine. And farewell. He runs out of the house. Do you not think he's like definitely over the boner at this point? I think the, the boner is like past <sighs> the yard arm or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Kind what, of- so at what point, what what has diffused the boner in this situation? Is it the fact? Tom McKenzie. Tom, okay, so. Well, they've had a real conversation. Yes. It, it's moved from fantasy and in his head and he's kind of sharing his fears right with an actual other human being and she's like but i like it and then that kills his boner is the or is it just the mere acknowledgement of the reality of the situation yeah i think the, the, the acknowledgement is the, the situation and also her acknowledgement that he is an all right kind of guy actually okay so he's kind of calmed down from whatever his um insecurities Ah, so now oh. he feels a bit more empowered, maybe? he's. But then also he's taken the power back by beating up an innocent man who has been... Well, yeah, okay, that, that fantasy didn't ever get resolved. That was still just in his head and he wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's some turning point there where he, is, he decides... Yeah, yeah the, 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 the bone is definitely deflated, I think. Or is it just... Uh, it's reaffixing is he, is he, itself. Is he running away from the boner? Or is he running his boner to his wife? You know, like, honey, it's working. I think he's running you know, his like, boner to his wife. Okay, it's, I got it. It's good. <laughs> I know we talked about my diet and my smoking and my drinking, and it's the 1950s, but it's working now, and I'm coming to Maine. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it was reignited by Marilyn Monroe, and now he can... He can go He's think going, about her, right? <laughs> be with Helen. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so wrong on not wrong, just weird on many different levels. But there is there's something well, missing there. Some mm. something's missing. Mm. It could be missing because in this era, entertainment needed to be like a guest in your home, which meant it needed to subscribe to middle class social norms and values, which we've been talking mm-hmm. all around, mm-hmm. right? This this like, are they having an affair? Are they not having an affair? You know, like ultimately he's got to go back yeah, to his I'm wife saying. because it's nineteen fifty five. All roads lead back to your wife in the fifties. <laughs> right. Whether you like it or not. Right. 
and whether you like it or and not. And so he runs off to the train station to go catch the eight forty-seven train, even though it's eight thirty. I don't know how that's going to happen. And she throws him her his shoes, and he runs off, a very drunk, very unshowered, smoky, smelly man in a big old used suit to go sit on a train for the next six hours. I'm pretty sure Marilyn's going to be enjoying that air conditioning. They're going to have a left huge him in the house. Maybe this is a... Uh, <laughs> he this, left her in his This house. is like the long con for her, maybe. Right? This was like her whole thing. It was like, let's drive this <laughs> man crazy. Absolutely insane. Boner yes. crazy. And then I get this house at the end of it. And it works. And there he goes. And he's going to go take that disgusting body and rub it up against his wife. And that's the end of the seven-year itch. Mm-hmm. Gang, what a, what a trip it's been. To 1955. So I'm going to ask you the question now. We do it every episode. It's mm-hmm. critical that we get an answer. Catherine Sherlock, mm-hmm. the seven year itch. Yeah. Do we keep watching this? Ay, ay, ay. The thing is, it's, it's, got, it's got that iconic scene in. So, which is kind of a bit of a shame because I'd want to say no, actually. Mm-hmm. I think for me it's a no. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but. We, we would be losing that iconic um, cinematography image. Okay. Okay. But do we need it? What does the image give us in question? Other than the fact that we recognize it. It's just a beautiful image, I think, just okay. generally. Okay. But male fantasy. Yeah. Mm. Subway air that smells like urine. <laughs> mm, delicious. Yeah. Hot subway air. You know, so it's a yes be- yeah. just because of the iconicism. Yeah. Iconography. I don't know. Maybe I'm on the fence here. Okay. We might swing I, back to you. All right. Okay, Think about it. Okay. <laughs> Do we keep watching no. this? <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, of course. I mean, is. okay. So I think sometimes I'm really unfair in my critique <laughs> because I, I, you know, you just ha- they have, I guess you have to, you know, Appreciate it for what it was for the time. Um, we can't always look at it through the lens of today, I suppose. Well, no, that's the entire purpose of the show, but though. I'm just saying, like, even without, even if I had to, like, okay, it was just so, it was not a great movie. It's like, outside of all the inappropriate stuff, it's mm-hmm. not like, there were one or two funny moments, I think. But in general, it's definitely a yeah, no. It's not Lawrence of Arabia. It's not a, yeah, okay. So it's a no for you. No. It's a no for you. Carolyn. Do we keep watching The Seven-Year Itch? No. Okay. (laughs) Because? I don't think it's giving us anything worthwhile. It falls flat. It falls false. Um, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's pretty loathsome (laughs) all around. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not even like entertaining or funny enough. To make me go, yeah, let's keep it around. It was a fun romp through 1955. I'm more like, no, the 1955 can keep it. Yeah, I and, and I'm going to agree with you, both of you. Uh, it's a no for me. It's uh, we don't we don't need this. I mean, there are better versions of 1955 out there that we could live with, right? I mean, this isn't <laughs> something that you're going to show. Sit somebody down cold and show them like this is a good movie. You know, like, just yeah. ignore. This and this and the eh, actually ignore that as well. Right. And also, it's uh, you know, I'm sure Tom, you will really, really struck a nerve with audiences in 1955, but with men in 1955. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it a, seems like a very boys' club movie. Like, you know, like the boys got together and like this is our version of it, and it just came off. Really Who's stupid. got the fucking time for that yeah. nowadays? Yeah. There's uh and and also you know kind of uh, treating her character the way that they do mm-hmm. infantilizing her and mm. with no her name first of all simple. they didn't even give her a name nope she's just an ideal she's um, so. Catherine we're swinging back around to you real quick uh, you changed your thinking at all or evolved your uh, thinking yeah no I, I I think my gut instinct is no I mean it's just it, yeah. it, it felt like an unfunny kind of claustrophobic. Oh, ramblings word. yes um narcissistic ramblings yeah. yes so so, mm-hmm. so a stage play then is really mm-hmm. what we're describing at this mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry theater people <laughs> maybe we should have stayed a stage play there was no reason for them to make it into a movie yeah sexy it, hamilton right horny hamilton i don't know maybe it was massively popular or something oh. who knows maybe 
Uh, any closing thoughts on Seven Year Itch before we send it to its grave? Put some calamine lotion on it and send it to bed. Oh, like the boom tomb, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no words can describe. Uh, we've no. given it way too many, yes. arguably. I, I so, yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> so thank you for coming along on this adventure with us. Back to 1955. Coming up next week, we are going to finish our examination of various tentpole moments in this era that we're exploring with 1965's That Funny Feeling, starring Sandra D and Bobby Darren. Sandra D stars as Joan Howell, a young and pretty maid for hire who begins dating wealthy New York City businessman Tom Milford in That Funny Feeling. To be determined if that's actually true. Right. Funny? Yeah. Uh, oh, no. We'll see. We'll see. So far. Good funny or bad funny, we'll that's see. That's the question. <laughs> and so concludes yet another episode of Old Movie Time Machine. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoyed this lengthy conversation about the seven-year itch, I've got great news for you. And that is we talked about this movie for so much longer uh, like double the time. I think it clocks in just a little under two hours in length, the complete uncut version of this episode. Available to you at The Boom Room. It's our Patreon page. For $2 a month, you can sign up and you can get the uncut version of every episode that lands in the free feed. It's more than twice the content that you would be getting here. So if you want to find out answers to all those burning questions about the scenes we did not talk about. This is the place for you to do it. It's called The Boom Room. It's on the Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Do it. And of course, you can always reach out to us at partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Let us know what you think about The Seven Year Itch. Is uh, is Richard Sherman a dirtbag? Is he a well-meaning oaf? Uh, what kind of noodle would he be? Is he a fettuccine? Is he a linguine? Is he a spaghetti? You tell us. And of course, next week, we have that funny feeling, which we need you to watch. It's from 1965. Sandra D., Bobby, Darren. Here are the places you can watch this so you can be prepared. You will have done your homework for the episode next Wednesday. You can rent that funny feeling on Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft Direct TV. Yeah, and that's it. And you can also buy it at all those same places too. So, you know, but choose choose wisely, please. Uh, I, I can't let you know one way or the other at this point how I feel about it, but just when you make your choice, do your research, do your homework, please. Thank you as ever for listening on behalf of myself and the crew. And until next time, this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>